Hello, folks. Welcome back to another Serving of PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast. Today, we're looking back to some highlights of past batch of past batch of guests. We have Dr. Ursan Ali, also the modern manual therapist, to talk about what manual therapy is good for and how it's like a cheat code. Dr. Lucilene Lizarondo, a research fellow from Australia, talked about what promotes evidence uptake and translation to practice. Dr. Mark David Bosco, a geriatric clinical specialist, discussed the ideal candidate for high-intensity resistance program for an older, older adult. And lastly, Dr. Lance Frank, a pelvic floor physical therapist, shared his experience as a male practitioner in the pelvic floor area and patient's preference. So now, let's take a listen. Is there's this big anti-manual therapy sentiment? Sure, it's passive, it's non-specific effects, um, but I mean it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you are a like I say a a pain science only or an exercise only therapist, I just think to myself, well, that's great, but what do you do when you see someone with like a huge lateral shift and they have neural signs um, and they have pain rating below their knee? Uh, it's not like you're going to just give them a kettlebell and and just have them, you know, do a farmer's carry and, and it, have it automatically straighten themselves out. There's a time and place for manual therapy. And again, for me, I just say that if you were exercise only therapist, like I see all these, um, you know, strength PTs and strength mm-hmm. physios saying like they, they post all this research that exercise um, you know, is great for low back pain because in, in six months um, the, they have better outcomes. And I absolutely believe that. But the thing is, when someone is in acute pain mm-hmm. and they come to you, what are you going to say? Like, oh yeah, if you get, if I get you on this exercise program in six months, you're going to be better. Mm-hmm. That's what, what manual therapy is for, is to get someone feeling immediately better, mm-hmm. to kind of change that perception of threat mm-hmm. and get them moving and feeling better. Because essentially they're also going to be more compliant. Mm-hmm. And that's how I present manual therapy is I can, I can get people moving better and faster than an exercise only approach because Mm -hmm. we can change perceptions of stretch and perceptions of threat faster with manual therapy. Mm -hmm. But ultimately my message is, yeah, if you're moving better and feeling better now, Mm -hmm. you have to use these active, this active approach Mm -hmm. because there's no fix to your problem. Right. You can get a two hour massage. Like I actually always tell people in, in, in the Philippines, it's like for a two and a half hour massage, it costs like $2 $2 or something, you know, and they don't even accept tips. Cause like no one tips there. And, uh, it's cheap like there. you can get this, <laughs> right. You can get this like amazing two, three hour massage, but if you get that at 8am by the end of the day, you probably don't feel as amazing as you did mm-hmm. for, for the next hour or so. And, and if that's like how you feel at the end of the day, after a two hour massage, what is your five to 10 minutes of manual therapy really doing on someone? How can you expect it to last? Because all you, because as, as quickly as you could change perception, the body also doesn't learn. It doesn't keep it unless it's reinforced. And that's the thing. You have to reinforce those effects. And that's what the home program or what I call the recovery plan is for. So mm-hmm. that's really how I use manual therapy. I mean, I think it's a great cheat. I think it's like the best cheat code in the world, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. It's like a video game cheat code. If it's all about patient compliance mm-hmm. and adherence to their program, mm-hmm. someone is going to be more adherent to their program if it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're like, hey, you know, tendinopathy research shows it's okay to exercise in the pain. Mm-hmm. But I think I think you just have to be a jerk if you have options to make people feel better. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. instead of just saying like, yeah, keep on doing those eccentric loading mm-hmm. program for your, for your Achilles tendinopathy. I know it hurts, but it will get better in like three months. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> but like, why not, why not do a little bit of soft tissue work or joint mobilization? So it feels a little better. Right. And they, they can then capitalize on feeling better. Cause you want a patient to be compliant. Mm-hmm. There are very few people who just think to themselves, especially if they have kinesiophobia and they, they're afraid mm-hmm. to move. There are very few people who are like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally trust this guy. Mm-hmm. And like three months from now, it might not even change in two to three weeks, uh-huh. but three months from now, it'll be fine. I mean, you have to be like an awesome salesman for mm-hmm. that, right? Well, I guess some of the physical therapists are um, afraid that like if they start with um, some um, some manual techniques, they, that the patient would eventually rely on that and be dependent on that and expect that every time that they come in. I think that's what they're afraid of. That's that's why they don't want to do it in the first place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's absolutely true, but it's all in the way you sell it. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I just, I say that it doesn't matter if I, if I scrape you with a metal tool, if I put my hands on you, do some tissue work, if I Mm -hmm. manipulate you, you might hear a crack. All of these things are going to make you feel better, but they're, your your relief's only going to last anywhere between five to forty five minutes or one to two hours, depending on whatever study you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So if you want to feel better, if you want to pay me, you mm-hmm. know, like the high rates that I charge, mm-hmm. and have me work on you every day mm-hmm. or even like every two hours, that's great. I'd be happy to take your money. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to pay me or anyone else, if you want to stop seeing your chiropractor, or if you want to stop seeing your PT two to three times a week for years. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to stop seeing massage therapists. Like I tell people massages are great, but it's not going to fix anything. Like you mm-hmm. can go for relaxation, right. right. And, and uh, you know, release your anxiety or whatever. That's great. But I mm-hmm. mean, it's not going to fix anything. Right. So if you want to keep on throwing money at mm-hmm. people, that's fine. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you really want to get better and stay better, you need an active solution. And that's one of the questions I always ask people. I always do these little, what I call Jedi mind tricks, right? To get, get people kind of thinking. Uh-huh. It's not more like you will do your home exercise program, <laughs> but it's more like a question. Uh, do you have a problem with activity? Mm-hmm. And people are like, yeah, yeah, of course I have a problem with activity. Well, then you need an active solution and things like massage and adjustment and needling and all these things, they're all temporary passive solutions. Mm-hmm. Another, another Jedi mind trick or another question I ask people is um, like you, or it's, it's more of a statement, like you going to a PT or a chiropractor or a massage therapist and getting soft tissue work or adjustment or manipulation or needling, whatever, you going to that and expecting to be fixed mm-hmm. is like you going to a personal trainer and having them lift weight for, weights for you and you expecting to get more fit. That's a good, At some point... Yeah, if you want to make a change, you have to do the change. That what other um, things promote the, the mm-hmm. transfer or uptake of evidence of practice? Um, what we find is probably the basic first step mm-hmm. to promote, um, from at least from my experience, is your education then. Mm-hmm. Um, it it always helps. Sometimes, 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 they don't really know that. So, or 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 sometimes, because it's complex research, it's hard to digest. If you're a busy clinician, after magbabasa ka ng paper sa pagkahaba-haba ang dami-daming complicated statistics. That's true. Uh-uh. Mag-shutdown ka na lang. 
di ba? Mm. So, uh, minsan nakaka-turn off din yung gano'n. It's too mm. technical, tapos yung language is so scientific na parang hindi naman nila makita yung relevance sa... Kasi magka- magkaiba ng language, gano'n. Mm. Um, so, yung education is always um, an important first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then... Um, kailangan din talaga na merong mga champions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So within um, within the wards or within the hospitals, importante na merong mga influential at saka um, mga leaders or yun nga, yung champions ng change na sila yung nag, nagpa-promote, mm-hmm. nag-raise ng awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, tapos kailangan nga ano din kailangan yung yung support from 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 management or yung mga matataas kailangan ano din sila um, kailangan very supportive sila mm-hmm. um, at nakikita rin sa kanila mm-hmm. yun and tapos and of course you need yung proper infrastructure din you, you need resources mm-hmm. um, tapos kailangan din yung mga professional development And then you need access, syempre, to evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, marami. It's a very complex process. Um, pero, yun nga, kailangan mo munang ma-identify kung ano mm-hmm. talaga yun. Saan mo gustong magsimula. Mm-hmm. I've heard that the um, fastest like uptake ng isang, if the evidence is here, it would take seven years before you could see it in practice. Yeah. <laughs> Tama po ba <laughs> Parang narinig ko yung ganun. So parang, oh, ganun. So the the things that we find out today would only be seen in practice like after seven years pa. Parang, ang tagal naman nun. <laughs> Pero yun yata talaga yung reality eh. Kasi nga, mm-hmm. mahirap din yan kasi talagang you know, palitan yung medyo sanay ka nang gawin. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when I see debates about like uh, physiotherapists na about ito yung, pra- ito yung evidence but ito yung ganun yung parang minsan I understand the side of those who are um, not uh, you know using evidence yet siguro hindi pa umaabot sa kanila or it, yun nga, it's hard to research everything and daming information na lumalabas So it's not like school before that you have um, assignments to actually read, research, current yeah. researches, synthesize this, and you hear mm-hmm. the synthesis from other people, other groups of students that you get to hear current evidence without actually reading the whole text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so parang... And, and, parang... Madaming, and madaming factors. Totoo yun, Johan. Eh. Minsan maintindihan mo rin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Like, you know, siguro isa sa mga pinaka naisip kong madaling example eh. Nung, 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 even nung siguro student ka or even nung tinuturo namin nung time na yon yung, mm-hmm. yung ultrasound, for example. Mm-hmm. Alam natin for many conditions, hindi naman nag-work yung therapeutic ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Pero madaming, <laughs> madaming factors dyan. May business component, nagpo-provide ng funding yung whoever yung nagpo-produce ng machine na yun. Mm-hmm. Um, pina-fund nila yung could be the hospital or could mm-hmm. be the school. And then yung mga patients din. 
pagka ginagamitan mo sila ng ultrasound, siguro mas feeling nila mas effective yung ginagawa mo kasi meron kang machine na ginagamit. Mm-hmm. And then, ikaw as a student, alam mo na yun yung tinuturo sa inyo mm-hmm. na nag-increase kasi yung heat and therefore, mm-hmm. alam na. So, aghirap dito nyo, madaming drivers mm-hmm. uh, kung bakit mo yun ginagamit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even though very strong from research na sinasabi, it doesn't really work for certain conditions. I mean, for many conditions. <laughs> ang, ang hirap, di ba? Ang hirap tanggalin. Kasi mm-hmm. nga, madaming iba-ibang, madaming iba-ibang, ano eh, stakeholders na involved. Iba-iba yung kanilang motivation for, for using that. What's a perfect or ideal candidate for to start an, a, a high-intensity uh, high-intensity training for an older adult? Everyone's, everyone's available. Everyone's eligible for it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and with a caveat, they have to be physiologically stable. When uh, they say physiologically stable, you, also, you still have to check for their lab, lab values. Mm-hmm. Make sure that, of course, their hemoglobin and hematocrit levels are not too low. Mm-hmm. And again, that's related to your red blood cell capacity to mm-hmm. transport oxygen to the muscles, which is just, which just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And make sure the patient doesn't have an active infection. So the usual ACSM guidelines of contraindications for exercise applies in this population of, of, of what patient populations may not be eligible for high intensity or for resistance exercise program. But if they clear those hurdles, mm-hmm. their lab values are okay. They don't have the contraindications. And you made a clinical determination that this uh, patient can tolerate and can understand, can understand the the program. Then uh, you're 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 good to go. Mm-hmm. A precaution would be for patients with osteoarthritis. Some clinicians would say, "Oh, what about my patient who have a knee OA or a hip OA? They, the patient has knee pain, the patient has hip pain. Of course, they can't do a high intensity resistance program because of pain." Mm-hmm. Right. We have to remember, though, that pain is part of a visual cycle of muscle weakness. So when a patient has pain, they won't move. And when they won't move, they're immobile. And that just prolongs the mobility disability cycle. So mm-hmm. we need to put a stop to that. Of course, when pain is a predominant complaint of the patients and the patient's highly irritable, I mean, the tissue itself, you have to calm those down using manual therapy, using the tools in our disposal, manual therapy, electrotherapeutic modalities, your cry modalities, or your heating modalities before, after, or a few weeks before you engage in a program just to reduce the uh, irritability level and make the patient more, um, how would they say it? Um, Apt, more Mm -hmm. apt or more encouraged to do high intensity or resistance exercise program. Mm -hmm. In fact, with NEOA, in recent um, clinical trials, they've found that if you do manual therapy first, manual therapy and resistance exercise program, it has a positive impact in pain and function. So what you do is uh, you, you do your mobilizations first. You reduce the pain by distraction or with joint mobs before you do your exercises, and that would help the patient respond better with it. So if uh, as a physical therapist and they want to start uh their patients with a high intensity resistance program, what are the things they have to assess first, measure, 
what are the things that they have to consider before putting a patient in in a high intensity program that's that's a good question again so you start first with your subjective examination you ask the patient their goals once mm-hmm. you know their goals then you have an indication of what you can use to facilitate buy in for the for the patient and it enables you to determine what muscle groups you need to target to help the patient move towards that goal mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have to consider the, the patient resources, the family system, and uh, their, their level of support, because that also would help you um, with establishing a program for the patient. So if the patient is taking care of, of uh, a family member or they have limited time, then you have to tweak your program based on that. Mm-hmm. If the patient has some exercise equipment at home, be sure to use it. If the patient doesn't have an exercise equipment at home based on your interview, then you find ways on be, to be creative with that. You can either provide a patient with elastic bands to take home, or you can uh, do your closed chain exercises. With your objective assessment, the first, uh, the first thing you have to measure, of course, is strength. You have to measure strength, and there's, there's a lot of important outcome uh, important outcome measures out there that have proven reliable to, to measure or to assess strength. The, you have your hand grip strength. Uh, for muscle strength, you can use your typical MMT uh, to improve reliability and build validity of, of the manual muscle testing. You can use your dynamometers, but those are expensive. I don't have dynamometers in my setting, so I can't speak on that. But if you want to be objective about it, you can use dynamometer for or to give you an exact number. Mm-hmm. Um, and for objective, for a more objective um, functional testing of strength for the lower extremity, you can use your five times at the stand test. Have the patient stand up and sit down from a chair without using their hands. If they can't do um, uh, a sit to stand without upper extremity assist, that means they are weak. Then you can have the patient use their arms to have them do it. But again, that's a modified version already and just make sure to take note of that. Another variation of the sit-to-stand test is the 30-second sit-to-stand test time. Uh, So you have the patient do as many sit-to-stands as they can in 30 seconds. Again, you can have the patient use their, do the test first without using their arms. If they cannot use their arms, then you can have the patient use their arms to assist with the initiation phase of the of the sit to stand, and that gives you um, a number of repetitions at which a patient can do it. So, of course, your goal moving forward is for the patient to do the sit to stands without using their arms. That that represents a significant improvement already. It's interesting. So, you had mentioned that article earlier about the Herman and Wallace. Herman and Wallace put out an article about mm-hmm. um, male providers and, mm-hmm. and pelvic health and a lot of men and i'm I'm just kind of lumping here and not Mm want to be stereotypical but a lot of men at least in my experience have Mm -hmm. voiced that they appreciate someone with you know the same anatomy as Mm -hmm. them being able to relate Mm -hmm. to the dysfunctions that they're having um some of some of my patients have really appreciated the fact that I have the same equipment that they have and that when things aren't working mm-hmm. exactly the way they want it to, I have the equipment that can, I can 
kind of relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's very gender, you know, stereotypical. And I, I try to avoid being, you know, so binary, mm-hmm. but a lot of my cisgender men really mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that I have the same equipment and I know the anatomy and I have the background and the education to mm-hmm. relate to their, mm-hmm. their problems. Mm-hmm. So that's been interesting to see. <laughs> I guess it's the same with the uh, cis female uh, patients who would go to or prefer uh, women uh, in, in exactly. terms of pelvic health because they would feel that their concerns are being understood because they have the same anatomy. For sure. And so with that, like I said, about 25% of my pelvic floor caseload is female pelvic Mm -hmm. floor dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like, I mean, everybody's got preferences, but some people just, some people just don't care. And Uh most of my women, well, all of my women that I'm seeing clearly, you know, they don't care who's Mm -hmm. helping them. They just want to get better. Right. So I don't, I don't want to like box people in and say that, you know, like, one gender or one person prefers it's it's honestly preference and what people like who's going to help them get better (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. nice have you had um patients or met patients that say that oh i've seen another pelvic floor pt but i think i prefer to see you rather than that other physical therapist have you had that experience i have Uh um and it's i mean it happens, but just mm-hmm. like, you know, just in any other regular, just orthopedic mm-hmm. instances for, you know, for instance, right. patients can relate better. Patients can vibe better with patients can like a certain therapist treatment style better mm-hmm. than another person. And not that mm-hmm. that other person is doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. They're both probably trying to achieve the same goal. There's just different ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had patients come to me after seeing another pelvic floor therapist or other pelvic floor therapists that, you know, it's just ultimately it's up to patient preference. preference. If they're not seeing results or if they don't really appreciate the way that things are going at their, their prior clinic, I've had mm-hmm. patients come to me and voice those concerns. And-, mm-hmm. and there you have it. A recap of the first four guests of the past batch of uh, physical therapists that we had here in uh, PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast. Just a reminder, Dr. Urson Rioso uh, has offered a discount for, for his Edge Mobility System. Check it out, edgemobilitysystem.com. He is offering 10% discount using the code PTMEAL10. Same as with Herman and Wallace Pelvic Rehabilitation Institute offers um, discount as well using PTMEAL10 in checkout so they offer pelvic floor courses and seminars do check those out again edgemobilitysystem.com and hermanwallace.com ptmeal10 so see you again uh for um in the next episode for another um recap of the last four guests of the past batch of uh physical therapists in the, the latest uh, batch or season. <laughs> Until next episode, see you guys. Thank you for listening to PT Meal Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, please follow the podcast's social media accounts in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.
share the episodes you're listening to or episodes you love to listen to so that the message can reach more people. Also, if you have anything to share with everyone about the profession or your practice, do contact me and we can work something out. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, questions about the show or the guests uh, of the show, you can reach me through all the podcast social media accounts or through the website www.ptmealpodcast.com or through email at ptmealpodcast at gmail.com. Alright, looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Just a reminder, folks, the podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The show strives to keep all information true and correct, but humans sometimes make mistakes. Factual errors may be present, so we encourage the listeners to do their own research on the featured topics as well. Now, let's go back to the show. <laughs>